Thank you, Halal, for that beautiful reminder of why we're here tonight. Because um, this is a night unlike any other. I mean, normally on Sunday mornings, you wake up, maybe you go to church online or in person, but you definitely don't do what you did this morning, right? This is a different morning. Like, I actually slept in this morning. I don't usually get to do that as a pastor. <laughs> it was like 8.30 by the time I got up. Yeah, it was a special morning. And tonight is a special night, right? We don't usually come here at night together. It's not something we usually do. We're normally in our homes or you might be out with friends. Maybe you might be cooking or washing up or watching TV or getting that last email in. But here we are all together on this special night, a very special night, perhaps even the most special night of this year. And it's especially uh, kind of wonderful for me because for the first time in 20 years, I have my family who is here visiting from all across the world. I'm really thankful. It's kind of a long time to go without having Christmas altogether. I don't know how it happened, but that, that's the way it goes. And so this past week, we've been doing all sorts of things together as a family that we don't normally get to do, right? With Grammy and Poppy and Auntie and Uncle. And uh, Theo had, our eldest had two games this week and basketball games. And we went to one yesterday that I'm still kind of like thinking about and reflecting on. It was a rather um, eventful game. Uh, not just because they won by, I think, like 30 or 40 points, which was very exciting. Good job. Uh, 28. Oh, can a mother exaggerate just a little bit? <laughs> okay, maybe it was close to 50 points, but not 50 points over. Okay, got it, got it. Um, but it's been really fun because we were cheering together, and my, my, um, my brother-in-law has a really great voice for projecting. You know those people that you want to sit next to at a game because they can just yell really loud? So he has a wonderful projecting voice. I have two brother-in-laws, so maybe I'll just not name them. So this is a little bit more anonymous. I probably shouldn't have said it. But while we were cheering, and he's cheering on our eldest son, just cheering him on. Like, no heckling of the other team, no jeering. But for some reason, the... There was someone from the other team who misinterpreted his cheers and came up to us like maybe towards the end of the first quarter and said to my brother-in-law, hey, you want to go outside? You want to go outside? Ooh. I think that's what he said. It, what didn't sound very friendly. And my brother-in-law's like, huh, what, what? And I figured out what was happening and I'm realizing that there's like some kind of uh, miscommunication here or some kind of tension here that, you know, we're just noticing for the first time. And so I kind of went aside. I did this little dance, which says, I'm not threatening to you. <laughs> Please don't hit me. I did a little dance and just said, hi. Oh my goodness, which one's your kid? And was able to kind of de-escalate the situation. Everyone de-escalated. Uh, my brother-in-law was not ever escalated. He was chill as a cucumber the whole time. But my heart is going like this, because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what's gonna happen when he goes back home and he's got, you know, like a fat lip or something. <laughs> I don't know what the other guy would look like. Oh, I was really stressed out. And even though it ended, you know, well, you know, they won the game, the other kid was cheered on, our son was cheered on. There was this moment of really kind of hairy, kind of horrific tension. We're just kind of wondering what's going to happen. How is this going to play out? And especially at a time when you think that it's going to be a joyful event, especially at a time when you're expecting a lot of fun. To have this was kind of jarring. And it made me realize that we live with these jarring tensions every day. But perhaps most especially, we notice them at Christmas. Let me unpack that for a second. Christmas, especially Christmas Eve, is the one night of the year where we really long to be loved. We long to be close with friends and family. 
It's also the night of the year where we're most aware of the rifts that we have, of the people that we've lost, of all the places in our life where there is not that love and closeness that we've been longing for. There's tension there, Christmas Eve. That's not the only Christmas tension, there's more. On the night of the year that we most long for the joy of abundance, right? Full cups of coffee and tea, a delicious meal, perhaps stacks of cookies if that's your jam, right? We long for abundance, the ability to give gifts freely and heartily. Sometimes it's actually the hardest time of year to do that. There's bills piling up, there's rent to be paid, there might be a mortgage. And I know there's so many people in our community, not too far around us and even within us, who are really struggling to buy things like diapers and pay rent. It does not feel like a night of abundance. And on this night of the year, we long for serenity, right? Just one calm moment, please. Can I have one calm moment where everyone does what I hope they'll do, where I'm at peace with myself? That's what I think to myself every Christmas Eve. Sometimes it happens. <laughs> like you all look so serene now, but I, I just wonder if maybe there was like, you know, an argument or two in the car on the way here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? Or maybe there's some prickly comments made, you know, to a, a partner or a child we'll have to circle back around to, or maybe you had to bribe your kid coming out uh, to come out tonight or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. It's always not a serene, sometimes it's not a serene night. And on the night that we celebrate the peace of God, the justice of God, friends, on this night, we are surrounded by news and images of war, of hostages, of rubble. In Bethlehem tonight, the Church of the Nativity, which has welcomed pilgrims for over a thousand years to celebrate on Christmas Eve, the church lies silent. Bethlehem is in mourning tonight. Christmas is full of tensions, the tensions we experience all throughout the year and most especially feel this evening. This is a day, a night, we especially feel our need for love, for abundance, for peace, justice, and joy. As one of our readers said here at Wellspring over the past four weeks, we've been going through a series based on a line from the hymn, O Holy Night. It's a line it says, the weary world rejoices. And so we've been asking ourselves, how does a weary world rejoice? We looked at different ways, all in the book of Luke. We saw that a weary world can rejoice when we acknowledge our weariness, like Elizabeth and Zechariah did, when they stated how hard things had been for them. They said, how can this be? I'm so old, I'm gonna really have a kid? How will this be? How can I know this is true? There was a lot of weariness there they had to acknowledge. We saw a weary world can find joy in connection, just like later on in the book of Luke, still in chapter one, we saw Elizabeth and Mary meeting each other and getting to celebrate what God was doing in them and with their families. They were so excited. They experienced joy in connection. We saw how we can find joy in a weary world as we sing stories of hope, as Mary and Zechariah did, as Pastor Cheryl invited us into that passage reminding ourselves that God is a promise keeper. And all this has just been in the first chapter of Luke. I invite you to read it if it's been a while, or even if you read it this morning. But tonight, we're finally in chapter two, the story of the birth of Jesus. There were so many tensions in that original story, but there's one in particular that I'm gonna draw our attention to before we light these candles. Because I think that this tension can help us find our way through the tensions we carry every day, every night, and perhaps feel 
most acutely Christmas Eve. Now, I want you to remember, all right, we, we just heard the story reading. Uh, remember that Mary and Joseph, they're traveling, right? It's a forced census of the entire Roman world, which means they have to go to their family's village of origin, and they have to sign up. They have to get their names on a list. And they don't have a choice about this. This is what the empire is telling them to do. It's not a good time for them because Mary's ready to have her baby, and she has to get on a donkey. They have to go travel all this distance. It's very inconvenient, but there they are having to go to their family's place of origin. And when they get there, what do they find? Do they find extended Ohana ready to take them in? No, they don't. Do they find an uncle or auntie who are like, hey, you can sleep on our guest floor? No, they don't. Um, do they find an Airbnb, maybe an inn, maybe comfort inn, some place where they could stay the night, where Mary could have her baby in peace? No, they don't. In fact, there is no room in any of the places you'd expect there to be room. Jesus comes as a baby to a poor family and the tension of his birth is surrounded by the question, will there be room or won't there be room? Will there be room or no room? And I think I have that even on a slide. Will there be room or no room? Let's just look at that for a moment. No room, room. It's a tension. When we keep reading in the story, we find out that actually, even though there was no room, they found room. There's actually both. There's no room and there's room at the same time, right? Mary didn't give birth in the street, right? Did she, was she in the marketplace and then she had to just suddenly stop by a stall and give birth there? No. She didn't give birth in the street. There was room, but it was not where you'd expect there to be room. It was in the stable where the animals were. There's room and there's no room, no room, room. There's tension there. And into that tension comes God's own self. God born in a manger. God born in a feeding trough. No room, room. You feel that tension? That's the Christmas invitation. That there is no room in so many ways in our lives. And at the same time, there's room. Just like it sometimes feels like there's no hope, but at the same time, there might just be a tiny little bit of hope somewhere. It might feel like there's no time to do the celebration you want to do or no emotional space to, to bring the family through. But you know what? There might be just a little. It might feel like there's no room for love in your heart. It's really hard. It's really disappointing. And yet maybe somewhere in there, there is space that can be freed up. A place where there has been no room or there can be room. Because it's in that place of tension, the no room room, that God comes to dwell. God doesn't come to dwell in the certainty of a ticket that's been bought and paid for. God doesn't come to dwell in the certainty of an invitation to somebody's house. God comes to dwell in the uncertainty of, will this work out? Will there be enough? Is there space for you and me? Can we find hope? 
Is there joy in this weary world? And it's in this tension that God comes to save us. Because that's what Jesus' name means. Jesus, in the original language of his day, it means God saves. Into the tension of room, no room, no room, room, comes a savior who comes to save us in all the myriads of ways we need saving in this life and the next. That means in all the tensions of our human life, whatever yours may be, it might not be about room or room. Maybe it's about mortality or maybe it's about your health. It's about your human frailty. Maybe it's about scarcity, whether it feels like you have enough. In all those tensions of your life and my life, God has come to save us to be with us. And when you look at the story of Christmas, we see that not only is God there being born right in the center of the tension, right in the feeding trough, right in the room, no room, no room, room, right there as God is born, God also brings all of God's gifts to the table because not only is Jesus born, but there's also so much love, justice, joy, serenity, peace. I invite you to read the story again sometime today because I'm thinking as I was reading the story earlier today that there's so much love, right? We know there's the love of God. We see that pervading everything. There's also the love of Joseph, the love of Joseph to stand by his fiance who said that an angel told her she was going to have God's baby. And he loves her enough to stay with her and to listen to his own dream from an angel and say, I don't know how this will work out, but I'm sticking with you. And I'm going to love this baby who really isn't my baby, but who is somehow ours together. There's a love of Joseph, right? There's the joy of the shepherds. Shepherds, by the time we get to the time of Jesus, shepherds, is not a des it's not a desirable uh, job. It isn't. Back in like David's day, it was like, oh yeah, you're a shepherd, shepherd king. That's so cool. But by the time you get to Jesus' day, shepherds were not seen as a good job. Think of your average entry-level job that maybe you wouldn't want your kid or grandkid to go into. You just think, oh, that's kind of messy or dirty or that's long hours. So think about that job. That's the shepherd's job. And to these shepherds, out the night shift comes great news of great joy. God has seen them. There's joy for them. And in fact, they get to go and actually see, did this really happen? Oh my, there's actually a baby in a feeding trough. That's joy for you. There's love. There's joy. There's abundance. The abundance of God who risks it all, becomes human, becomes weak, becomes dependent on others and mortal, just so that we can get to know God and know we don't need to be afraid that God will give it all to save us. There's abundance. There's justice, right? We see God's slow game to turn the powers of our world upside down by choosing a poor, displaced family in an occupied country in a minority ethnic group to be God's family to be his stepfather and mother. There's justice and there is peace. The message of peace from the angels, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. And tonight, friends, God's favor wants to rest on all of you because good news is given to all of us. News of great joy in the middle of our tensions, in the middle of the no room, room. God is born. A savior has been born.
We're going to be taking a few minutes. Um, we're going to be coming up the center aisle, and Pastor Cheryl is going to come and give us really good, precise instructions. Because see all these candles here. Kids, you see these candles here? You're going to walk up with an adult, please. Um, I might need to have accompaniments because I have vestibular problems. I uh, don't want to fall on anything. But we're going to be coming up the center aisle here, and you're going to be uh, placing a lit candle here on these logs. And as we do this, we're reminding ourselves that in the middle of all the hard things in life, when it looks like there's no hope, no joy, no peace, no abundance, that God is born right there and born for you. So I want you to invite you as Pastor Cheryl, she's going to come and give us instructions. I want you just to think to yourself, what's an area in my life where I need saving right now? Some area that feels like there's this tension between the way I would like things to be and the way they are right now. And I invite you to name that to God and let this be a way of releasing that to God. God, this is a tension I'm experiencing. I know you were born in the middle of a tension. Can you be with me? Can you be born in me, even in this situation? Or I want you to think maybe of a gift of God that you especially need. It might be peace or abundance or joy or maybe more love. As we come up and light these candles, I want to invite you to take a page out of Baby Jesus' playbook and make room and say, God, I want to make room in my soul and mind for this gift of yours. And best of all, for you, because you bring your gifts with you. So we're going to have uh, instructions come up in just a minute. And as Pastor Cheryl comes, I want to invite you into prayer with me, a Christmas prayer. So come on up, Pastor Cheryl. <laughs> I'm going to make sure we all know what we're doing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you didn't come to be born in, an, in a place where there was reservations and certainty and high hopes, but you came to be born in the middle of questions, in the middle of disappointment and wondering, in the middle of room, no room. Lord, in all of our tensions, what we hope and long for the realities we're experiencing. May your Christ child be born in us. May we make room for you and all the gifts you bring, knowing that you made room for us in God's own self so that we never need to be alone. We never need to ask if you care, because we know you are here, God in the manger. Amen.